Teen Titans Wasteland. I'm Hub. This is our 15th episode, so we are celebrating our podcasting quinceanera. So, why don't you go get yourself a big piece of Trace Leche's cake and enjoy the bounce castle that we've rented, as is traditional for a podcasting quinceanera. And yeah, today we are a woman. Hooray! So I wrote a little song for the synopsis thing because I've running out of ways to say it. Are you wearing a shirt? Have you been topless? Well, now it's time for a synopsis. Oh, actually, I kind of like that. Teen Titans number 12. December 1967. Written by Bob Haney. Drotted by Irv Novick. With inks and cover by Nick Cardi. Large trouble in Spaceville. Teen Titans roll call. Robin. Aqualad. Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, DJ DJ is out of this world. Literally. It seems the redundantly named popular disc jockey has launched himself into orbit in a space capsule, from which he is broadcasting his radio show worldwide. Teens all over the world are digging his rock and roll transmissions. One of those teens is our very own Wonder Girl. She is dancing to the show in the Titan's secret lair while her male counterparts are doing a super half-assed job of training. Wendy becomes alarmed when she notices a change in the space DJ's kooky banter and is convinced he needs their assistance. After a brief listen, Robin agrees and is able to pick up on some clues in the radio patter and figures out that not only is the double DJ being threatened, but that someone is going to steal Mount Rushmore. Okay... Despite Kid Flash's misgivings as to the continued existence of South Dakota, the gang piles into the Titan Copter and flies off to intercept the would-be monument thief. They arrive just in time to see a mysterious figure using a ray gun to levitate the giant carving. Landing the chopper on Teddy Roosevelt's mustache, the Titans swing into action. They're briefly caught in a levitation ray themselves, but Kid Flash runs down the beam towards the evildoer, forcing him to turn off the device in order to make his escape. Wonder Girl manages to snag Washington's chin with her lasso and lowers the monument back to its original position. Damn! I guess that's why she gets to dance while the other Titans are training. The teens tune back into the space broadcast and quickly determine that the next target of the grand, grand, grand larceny is to be the Sphinx and the Great Pyramids in Giza. As the Titans fly off to Egypt, we see that up in space, a hulking orange-skinned alien is pointing his ray gun at DJ DJ and forcing him to send coded instructions to the alien's earthbound agent in a needlessly complicated scheme. We soon learn that the alien's partner is a notorious super thief who goes by the super generic nickname, The Deliverer. The Titans arrive in Egypt and confront The Deliverer, but he uses his ray gun to scatter the teen heroes, sending them each into a different form of peril. Aqualad fights off a giant crocodile. Wonder Girl fends off the amorous advances of a lecherous Arab stereotype. Robin fights some giant buzzards. And Kid Flash is just sort of lost in the desert. They manage to extricate themselves from their respective predicaments just in time to capture the Deliverer as he tries to steal their helicopter. Hooray! Unfortunately, he has already managed to launch the Sphinx into space. Boo! Looks like the Teen Titans are going to have to launch themselves into space to fight an evil alien and retrieve a priceless monument. Wonder Girl, Aqualad, and Kid Flash really, really don't want to go. But Robin outvotes them one to three, so off they go. They soon find the DJ's space capsule and the Sphinx floating in orbit. Wonder Girl disarms the unnamed orange alien, and Aqualad and Kid Flash start beating the tar out of him. Things are going swimmingly for Team Earth, when the orange guy uses his remote control UFO to capture his three assailants. Robin leaps into the fray and is temporarily beaten, 
but then takes advantage of the vacuum of space by picking up the Sphinx and hitting the alien with it. Bam! Welcome to Earth! Our heroes return the Sphinx to Egypt and the DJ to his studio, where they all make dad jokes. Hooray! All right, and joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Hello. How's it going? It's going good. This Glad comic, to hear it. It uh, was funny and made me laugh. Good. Yeah, it was weird as hell. Why do you think the unnamed alien wanted our monuments? That was one of my chief questions, which I don't feel like they explained at all. There are a lot of things about that guy's plan that they did not explain. For very good reason, because they didn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, I think that this issue, more so than others, really touches on the reoccurring theme of needlessly complicated plot devices. Very much so. That was one of the things that I definitely thought was a thing. I will say, maybe my favorite issue so far. Mm. It was really fun. Mm. Really, really goofy. Perhaps also the laziest naming of things in this. Hmm. The DJ, his name is DJ. Uh, it, well, it's spelled. Yeah, D-E-E-J-A-Y. <laughs> DJ, right. DJ, the deliverer of the monuments. His name is the deliverer. That's true. And the alien's name. The alien? Doesn't have a name. He's <laughs> referred to as the alien. He's referred to as the alien, but he has no name. We never learn it. I, I feel like there were a lot of space holders that were just like, yeah, good enough. <laughs> just go with it. Yeah. I love the title of this issue. Large Trouble in Spaceville. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Like, they didn't go big, they went large. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's trying to play into... The approach they have to writing teen dialogue is almost like Damon Runyon style. Like, sometimes we'll go super slangy, sometimes we'll go overly elaborate and flowery. Yeah, their, their, their take on beatniks ha has a, a very guys and dolls kind of flair to it, which I, I is something that has been a characteristic of these comics, I think, from the start. But it's something that I really enjoy about it. Mm -hmm. In this DJ in particular, his all of his language, well, to a degree because it has to be due to the alien's instructions, but is his, it's just it's so confusing... But it's also riddled with uh, slang. And oh, all, yeah. All kinds Anything of that the stuff. DJ said was tied for me for this could be the best slang in the issue. Yeah, pretty much. It's, you, you can just kind of take it at random. Uh, also, man, anybody can go to space back then. Like, they're just like, oh, I'm the first DJ in space. I still don't think we've put a DJ in space. Yeah, and he, they didn't really ever explain... Why he was doing that? Yeah. I think maybe just so that he could broadcast rock and roll worldwide and kind of be evangelical and spread the gospel to it. Because... Did go to Paris. There's the opening scene. It is... It's not just Paris. It, it's, it sh shows that it went to Paris and London and everywhere. And mm -hmm. Egypt, because they're listening to it in a transistor radio mm -hmm. in Egypt. And even as far as South Dakota. Is that still on the map? Ah... Uh... Kid Flash zing South Dakota <laughs> real good. Yeah, zing. But there's that the opening panel where it talks about all the places people are listening to it. Mm -hmm. But there's this nice, it's a single scene, but it shows like just a mishmash of the monuments are in the background. And so it, it's a worldview, but like done through like five different people dancing all at the same time. There's, and then the last one that it shows is one like, mm -hmm. and there's the Eiffel Tower and Big Ben are in the background to show that it's a British person and a French person. Kind of illustrating that through this music, the world is growing more tightly knit. 
Uh, but the last person that it shows is Wonder Girl. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and where is she listening to it? Why? In the Titan secret lair. And it's a really nice transition. I appreciated that as well. I like how as you read it from left to right, you, you're drawn into the uh, the Titans' uh, usual kind of opening scene where they are in their lair hanging out. Yeah. Although when they are hanging out in their lair, it's initially just it's Wonder Girl dancing. And she's like, she's... She's real gone, man. She's so she's having, into it. She's having a great time. The boys are, like, concerned with they, how into w- the dancing yeah. she is. They're uncomfortable. They have to leave the room and go work out. <laughs> I feel like there were a lot of times where Wonder Girl was into something. They're like, come on, guys, let's go work out. Yeah. But the way they're working out is super fucking half-assed. Like... <laughs> Well, they did it for like two days. They did it for two days, but they've got Aqualad swinging, swimming laps in essentially a hotel pool that's like 20 mm-hmm. by 20. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think the area of his crime fighting that needs more attention is his swimming. Mm-hmm. I think he's got swimming pretty much down. Yeah, yeah, he should have been like shark punching or something. Yeah. What these Teen Titans need is a fucking danger room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Kid Flash... He's you just know, running on a treadmill. Running on a treadmill, which again is not really an area he needs a lot of extra practice in. No, I and, understand it. And Robin just looks like he's kind of half-assedly throwing a battering around a mummy, I guess, that they've got. Granted, if they have a danger room, it is going to turn on them continually. But I think they would really benefit from having a danger room. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Yeah, like two days. A, a day and a half later, or whatever, after they're freaked out by Wonder Girl's gyrations, she comes to the gym and finds them. And it literally says, like, a day later, yeah. they're, still, they're still working out. Well, they're still uncomfortable. Yeah. So Wonder Girl comes in to where they're working out and says, oh my gosh, guys, you gotta help. The DJ in space is in great trouble. Yeah, and she can tell because she's been taking notes on his banter. Yeah, and like the rhythm like... of his speech has become... I guess if you had been continually listening to a guy for like four days or however long, Mm -hmm. you would pick up on some of his nuances of speech. I suppose so. And she ostensibly has not stopped. No, she has not stopped either gyrating or listening to this rock and roll. He's only going to be up there for one week. Yeah. And And you've got to listen to rock and roll for a week straight. And apparently he is not sleeping up there. He is also DJ DJ. It's a super goofy looking dude. He is drawn so, and it was a little goofy when this word came up a few episodes ago, but he is super derpy. <laughs> the thing of like... His, He's drawn it, in a very cartoonish style. Well, also, I mean, the whole derp thing is like the, the eyeballs pointing opposite directions. <laughs> and that's literally every time you see him, like... Both of his his well, pupils are in the far corners of his eyeballs. He looks it's like Cor- the opposite of being cross-eyed. Corey, he is in space. And that's what happens. You've you've seen uh, what was it? Spies like us, where they go in the gyroscope and they spin around real fast. It's really hard to be in a gyroscope. And that's what space training is. And apparently, that's what happens when you go to space. The great gyroscope of space. Yeah, I don't know why they put you in. I guess. Uh, to simulate the blast off, but he's probably still derped from blasting off. Okay. He's, yeah, he is. He's though. way blasted off. And his caps, all of the space capsules are like those really old timey space capsule, like Erlemeyer flask shaped. They look like um, shuttlecocks. Like large shuttlecocks. For badminton? Mm hmm. Yeah, the shape of the, the capsule. Kind of, but they have, I mean, they have a base. They're enclosed. Right. The shape of it is like a shuttlecock with a base. Around okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I think it looks like an Earl Meyer flask. We're both right. Okay. 
Fair enough. <laughs> At least one of us is. <laughs> but that, the fact that is, and when the alien is threatening him, he just kind of is peering through the top. And there is not a lot of respect paid to the vacuum of space in this issue. Because, I mean, they don't really wear space suits. They wear, like, the old-timey diving-looking space helmets. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the fish globe over their heads. But yeah. they're just wearing their costumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, DJ DJ's got like a pretty sweet bright orange jumpsuit. And I think he's yeah, also... that has rock and roll phrases written all over it. Yeah, way far out. So I think DJ DJ may also have been the inspiration, for, or a inspiration certainly, for the rapper Lil Jon. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he punctuates his speech by going, yeah, a lot. Like with five A's in the middle, yeahs. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got that in. I think almost every one of his speech bubbles ends with it. Mm-hmm. The other weird turn of phrase that he has is beginning. Whoops. Yeah, why is was that a thing as far as you know? I don't think so. That was that was one that threw me too because I was like, wait, did he make a mistake? And at one time he uses it because he made a mistake. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, but it's the just most like, of the time he's just like, whoops, hey, like kids, yeah, just like starting his sentence by saying, whoops, um. Maybe he's, maybe he's continually forgetting who he is. Again, due to, like, space madness, maybe? Mm. Yeah, space madness. He's a very brave man. He looks so into it, though, too. Like, every scene, he's got he's chilled out, he's reclined, his feet are crossed, he's spinning records, and uh, he's just got this goofy kind of grin on his face. Yeah, and sometimes, like, a giant tie. I think maybe mm. that's just the last panel when he's back on Earth. But he has this, like, crazy, like, clown-like giant wide polka dot tie. Yeah. That he's wearing, I think, over a spacesuit. Yeah, the dude is bad. Look. He's real gone. Yeah, real he's gone. He's a real gone man. daddy-o. Yeah. You know, also, speaking of current memes that this tracks to, did you notice that the alien on the cover, his face looks just like a uh, grumpy cat? I did not. I'm less familiar with grumpy cat, but I can kind of see that. Yeah, his eyes are drawn exactly like one of those pissed off looking. Oh cats. man, this is a prescient episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> and also, it's like they knew that in the future, South Dakota would also be irrelevant. <laughs> Kid Flash gets a really good South Dakota dig in that when they'd find out that they're going to Mount Rushmore. Robin is just like, "Come on, guys, we're going to South Dakota." And Kid Flash is like, "South Dakota is that still on the map?" Mm-hmm. And then later on when they're arriving there, the the caption on the bottom reads like, the Titans arrive in South Dakota. Yes, it is still on the map, Kid Flash. Yeah. is pretty nice. Burn. There's a, there's a few good burns in here. There's a burn against Arabic people. <laughs> mm. That is pretty unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So when they land and they all get sent to their various perils mm-hmm. by the gun... The ray gun, which I guess just scatters them, but yeah, somehow that... specifically sends each of them to a place where they'll be in danger. Except for Kid Flash, who is just like... He just gets lost. He just gets lost. Circle. It's like, the desert is so big, and I can <laughs> run so fast. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and he's yeah. literally running in a giant circle. Yeah, as for no reason. As fast as he can. <laughs> which is pretty great. And then Wonder Girl gets sent to... She gets sent down a well, I guess. Yeah, she falls out of the sky from the laser beam. And get, and falls down tossing. a well and is retrieved by a vario... Very... A vario. <laughs> I'm picking up some of the hip lingo hey, at the time, too. Yeah, by a very stereotypical Arabic sheep. 
Sheep <laughs> He's a, a Bedouin sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Bedouin sheep. Uh, who decides that he wants to make Wonder Girl his fourth wife. She is very beautiful. She will be his most beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. He does give her that. And I guess the peril that she's put in is not wanting to be rude. Because <laughs> it really, like, the whole thing is just like, just like, she can get out of there at any time. She has literally picked up Mount Rushmore earlier. The whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. Which is super impressive. And all the other Teen Titans. And all the other Teen Titans, which is nothing compared to the the mass of... I believe in the DC Universe, Mount Rushmore is even larger than it is in ours, because mm-hmm. when they land their helicopter on Teddy Roosevelt's mustache, mm-hmm. they look like they like this big helicopter that they have might be a mole on mm-hmm. his upper lip. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this is a recurring thing that we've talked about in the past where... In particular, Wonder Girl is so powerful in some instances, but in other instances, she's not at all. Yeah. Like, in this case, the deal is, she's like, yeah, I am going to play along with that. I'm going to totally marry this guy, because there's, like, four guys in a tent. I think, I really think she just didn't want to be rude. Why did she wait until the end to... to I don't know. I think she, she was just like, her... well, like I put it off for as long as I could, but... I'm out of here. She leaves him in a, in a pretty, like, comical way, though, where... She, she has a good dig when she gets out of there, too. Because mm-hmm. in her thought bubble, she says, well, I don't want to offend him. And then she she says, like, I didn't want to offend the offendee. And then she's mm-hmm. out of there. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of nice. Yeah. It, you know, if it wasn't also just, you know, kind of racist. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the... The panel, it's it's drawn pretty cool where she basically flattens a tent on them and they're all like, ah. There's yeah, they're trapped inside the tent and, like in a cartoon. Yeah, and she's she's flying off and joking to herself, always a bridesmaid, never no, a bride. No, no, always a bride, never a bridesmaid is what she says. Because <sighs> they want her to be a bride, not a bridesmaid. I Yeah. yeah. She's making a little joke to herself out of that. A joke to herself. Yeah. I like the way that that's that she's kind of flying off and she's just looks so pleased with herself. She really for coming does. Up with it's that. A, it's a really nice panel. The artwork on Wonder Girl, I think, is the strongest in this one that it has been on any of Novik's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's only one scene where it looks like she's taken Looking too many little, drugs of yeah. some sort. Yeah, which one are you thinking of? It's one where it's it's all of their their faces. And um, she's kind of looking back. Something has happened that she's, like, shocked by. And her eyes are, like, super big and her pupils are super tight. Is it when she doesn't want to go to space? Yeah, I think that's it. And that's another... Man, Robin is just all the time oh, yeah. making people do things they don't want to do. Yeah, he outvotes them one to three. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> he's like, all right, we're going to space. And they all three of them literally are like... Adamantly. No, we don't want to go to space. Yeah, we think that sounds... Horrible. We're not doing it. And Aqualad is specifically vehement about just like, which makes sense. Yeah. There's no water up in the vacuum of space. He could die more easily than they could all die in space. And is is it Robin who then is like, you could drink from some clouds when we go through the atmosphere. Like, quit. What? You can get droplets of water from from the clouds. Like, don't be a whiner. Who said that? I missed that. I may be fabricating. I think you made that whole thing (laughs) up. (laughs) Well, that would be a good thing to say. I think they. one of them says you can get out now and you'll only break both your heads. Oh, just like, give me a, a minute here. Yeah, maybe I did make that up. I'm pretty sure you made that up. You did a really good rewrite. That would have been a nice thing for one of them to say. 
Where did that come from? I have no idea, but well done. Thank you. <laughs> I totally thought that happened. No, no, that was you writing new di- That was you writing Aquaman fan fiction. <laughs> oh, God. But even in that, somebody's being a dick to him. <laughs> yeah, it's totally not in there. But no, Robin is a total jerk, and they don't want to go to space, and then I think even the caption is like, boy wonders have a way of getting what they want. Mm-hmm. And apparently they do. I don't know what those ways are. Maybe he just knocked them all out. Because he used his, like, smoke belt thing to knock out all the buzzards that were near him earlier. And that was another uh, funny thing. So, like, when each of the Titans are having their tribulation, like, his they... is just like, I'm being menaced by vultures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I think they came up with one for Aqualad. Because Aqualad had to fight a giant crocodile. Which with tons of really sharp teeth. It was yeah, and very... he came up with a plan to, like, he found this old stone hand that had broken off of a statue and wedges it in its mouth, like mm-hmm. in Return of the Jedi, Luke does that when he fights the Bantha, is it? I don't remember. The, the uh... The big monster. Black. Wampa? No, that's a different monster. Oh, okay. Um, when he fights... Hordak. <laughs> Skullnar. Yeah, he fights Skuldo. <laughs> the Vornarian. Yeah. When he fights Skuldor the Vordarian. Um, <laughs> where he lodges the bone in its mouth. Right, yeah. And yeah. So he he does one of those and, and escapes from the crocodile and, and then Wonder Girl has her whole thing where she fights the Sheik. And then Kid Flash, we literally never see he just he apparently just... stopped running around in circles. He got his bearings. Right. It's like, oh, there And Robin just really quickly is just like, ah, there's some buzzards. Uh, I'll just knock them out with some gas mm-hmm. in like half a panel. Yeah. And then when the deliverer comes to steal their helicopter, they're hiding inside the helicopter, which I guess is a good place to hide. In your own helicopter. Yeah. And then just like, I think it's Robin just... He socks him. An off-panel fist comes and socks the deliverer. Mm-hmm. Well, the fist is on panel, but the rest of Robin is off-panel. It's a, it's, it's a, a nice panel. It's the first time I've seen sock written as like an action noise, too. They spell it T-S-O-K, and there's like an explosion thing I think that it. may have... There have been in, increasingly frequent references to the Batman TV show. Mm-hmm. And there's one in here where... Oh. Aqualad even says, you've been watching Robin, you've been watching too much of the Batman TV show. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things Aqualad said that kind of cracked me up. One of the other ones is he makes like the most dad joke ever in this one hmm. where uh, I'm going to have to find it. Give me a second. But it's not, it doesn't even work within the structure of the joke, but he's really proud of himself and points out that he's made a joke. Oh, Aqualad. He tried so hard. So... It's when one, right when they're first starting to get freaked out by Wonder Girl's gyrations. Kid Flash says, DJ DJ sure has Wonder Chick freaked out. And Aqualad gestures and says, yeah, Kid Flash, I dig the rock, but isn't he carrying things a bit far? Get it? Far? Because mm-hmm. he's in space. Yeah. He literally says, get it? Far? And I think Robin goes, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which, generally, I am on Aqualad's side, but that one, yeah, you're right, Robin. Yeah, Out. <laughs> but I like that Aqualad just wants to kind of make dad jokes. Dad jokes? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, the jokes a dad would make. Oh. Those, those kind. Yeah. There's another weird scene that I kind of wanted to touch on. When they're coming down off of Mount Rushmore, and they're all making puns at this point about noses and stuff, mm-hmm. and Wonder Girl 
has to sneeze. There's some weird stuff that ha- she's like, oh no, I have to sneeze. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh shit, like, do, is an Amazonian sneeze like the worst thing ever? Is she going to kill them all if she sneezes? Because mm-hmm. she seems really freaked out about it. And then Robin says, well, go ahead and sneeze. And then he sticks his finger under her nose to block her from sneezing. Mm-hmm. And she thanks him for it. It's a, just a really weird exchange that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I thought about that one as well with the same puzzlement. I think that's just Robin being a weird control freak. <laughs> yes. I think he's just fucking with everybody. Yeah. You can sneeze. No, you can't. You can sneeze. Don't sneeze. Yeah, he's got control issues for yeah. sure. I want to get back to the the alien's plot. Alien wants um, Mount Rushmore and a, a Sphinx. The, the Sphinx, maybe the pyramids. I don't know if he wanted the pyramids and then the deliverer, who is not living up to his name. No, he's doing a bad job. And I'm wondering if that was going to be the original title of the Jason Statham movie. The Deliverer. The Deliverer. But he's like, oh, it's taken. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I, what the, let me get out my thesaurus. I'll rename the movie. What do I do? Uh, Transporter. The taker of one pl- th- things yeah. from one place to another. The mover. Bit wordy. No. The mover. The mover of stuff. No. No. Mailman. Mm. Eh, closer. Taken. Transporter. There we go. Bam. So the alien holds a ray gun down the barrel of the space station at the DJ mm-hmm. and gets him to give coded messages that essentially is just like. A list of things that he wants mm-hmm. stolen, and they're all monuments. I think we're led to believe that he has given his agent on Earth this gun to transport these devices up to space for him. Mm-hmm. Because, and he, he does claim that he his race of alien beings, the atmosphere on Earth is no good for them. Nope. Now, he is wearing a space suit at this point. Mm-hmm. And is in the vacuum of space. I don't understand why he couldn't have worn his spacesuit to Earth. I don't understand how he got the gun to the guy, but also couldn't just give him a list. Mm-hmm. It's. I feel about this complicated thing the way I feel about pretty much every work meeting I've had. Which <laughs> is, like, what? this could have been a note. Yeah, <laughs> We didn't need to go through this elaborate DJ threatening plot. We're giving coded messages through the radio. He clearly had a way to contact the guy to begin with. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he couldn't use that method again. It really doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. But I kind of don't care. Because I love this issue. We have to get those Titans into space somehow. Look, yeah, they have to go to space. They go to space again later. Oh, good. And then one of them, a, a Titan who we haven't met yet named Mal, who is my favorite Titan, oh. stows away aboard a spaceship. Cool. And just goes into space. Like, kind of joyriding, I think. Hmm. It's pretty great. What was your favorite panel? There was a, a couple of them that were, I thought, pretty good. Um, but I'm going to say, I think my favorite one is towards the beginning on page 10, when the transport, I mean, the uh, deliverer, deliverer, the first time that he uses his whatever sort of laser ray traction beam. Delivering beam? His delivering beam. His delivery gun. His delivery gun to, yeah. uh, that's good, I like that, to uh, to pick up all the, the Teen Titans. And they're just like, ah, shit, what are we going to do? We're in this delivery cloud. And then Robin's like, hey, Kid Flash, you're pretty fast. Why don't you just run down that, run down, run the, down the beam into the gun or into the guy and yeah. get the gun away. And uh, there's a, a panel. And so he's like, okay, I am pretty fast. I'll do that. 
And uh, their perspective on it is is sort of drawn from like uh, almost behind Kid Flash, watch, watching him run down this this beam. Yeah, it looks like he's running down a laser, basically. Mm-hmm. And in the trans, I keep calling him the transporter. The deliverer <laughs> is at the bottom, and he's doing that thing that that I love in these comics, where he narrates exactly what's happening. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, oh no, a Teen Titan running down the beam of my delivery gun to get me. Ah, the way that is drawn is really pretty cool. That that is pretty cool. I my favorite. There were a few really good ones. I love when we first see that the alien is poking his space gun down the barrel of the base capsule at mm-hmm. DJ DJ. That one's really good. There's one where we first see the Deliverer. Well, not where we first see him, because we saw him as a shadowy figure who's shooting the gun. But when we see him in Egypt and he's dressed as a Bedouin, mm-hmm. there's this close-up of him and he almost looks... At, maybe it's just the way he's dressed and because I've seen the Road 2 movies fairly recently. Mm. But he looks kind of like an evil Bob Hope. And is pointing his gun. And part of why I like this one is because the dialogue in it is, if you ever forget that his name is the Deliverer, he's saying, I loathe rock and roll, but it's the price I must pay for delivering the Pyramid and Sphinx. No team Titan within a thousand miles to spoil this delivery, and the Deliverer always delivers. Delivered. Yep. Bam. He really likes saying deliver. He does. Um, so if you ever forget that's his name, just think of that panel. <laughs> okay, that'll help me, thank you. But I think my favorite is the one I described earlier, where it's all of the teens dancing, and mm-hmm. it, it's really, it's just using the medium, I think, really well mm-hmm. to show that this is happening all over, but that they're all listening to the same thing, and it puts them all in the same panel, mm-hmm. but makes clear that they're all from different backgrounds, and it, it's really just a nice example of the world being made smaller by shared media. Yeah, yeah, I like that one too. That was in the running for me, and it's, the movement is really good. That, that, that one's really good, it. and it's it's an it's also just a nice panel of Wonder Girl being really into dancing, mm-hmm. and the the next couple panels are all just her really dancing and going, yeah, yeah. It's it's really fun, and I I really enjoyed that. I, so I, I think those are my favorite panels. There is also when you were talking about the the ray gun chase where he's running down the deliver guns delivery ray mm-hmm. when they first get caught in it robin has this thing where he starts explaining science and they all make fun of him nobody points out that his science explanation doesn't make any sense but he's like good we're in stasis that is the vector of forces working on us and the monument are in equipoise and and aqua's like leaping lump fish shut up yeah it's not exactly what he says but that's robin gets the point yeah. and he yeah, good that. point, Aqualad. Because, yeah, that is some fucking gibberish. Yeah, it's not helping. Yeah. No. So you, you show him. Boy Wonder likes to sound smart. He really does. So, what's your favorite slang? Oh, man. It's pretty much, for me, it's a tie for everything that the DJ says. But which... there? Yeah, there was one one little nugget from DJ DJ that, that stood out, and it's on page 21. Um, he uses a, a term... That if I read it right, I, it's not one that I've ever heard before, but it, it sounds. I think I know what you're talking about. Okay, so and he's uh, referring to something that he really likes a lot. I can't remember what. I think he's watching the Titans fight the alien in space. Oh, that's right, and he's super, and he's super into the fight. Yeah, he's into the fight, and so he says, "Groovy, so gear and ungrotty, Marv and Fab." Yeah, ungrotty. Yeah, that not was... one I was familiar with, and yeah, the, I had that one up there too. That that was one of my favorites, but I. Th- I think my absolute favorite was 
they made up songs and they made up names of the bands that are playing the songs mm-hmm. and some of the lyrics of the songs, which are all space themed. Two of the bands are called the Hippies and the Freakouts, which mm-hmm. I really like. I'm just going to read the first dialogue that we really get from DJ DJ. That was and my... we were first we're introduced to him and he gives like a little like fourth wall breaking intro. That was actually my my other choice was the the first word bubble on the page. Though. But yeah, it's me, loves your frabulous one, old DJ DJ, coming to you from the wild blue yonder, the world's first disc jockey in space. So whoops, frantic ones, stay with me as I bring you the zingiest sounds of the grooviest groups. And now, without further jazz and pizzazz, a platter by those dear gear ones, the hippies, doing the weightless rock. Yeah! <laughs> and then we get to hear some of the lyrics that they have, too. It's like, because you turn on my retros, blast, blast, blast. He is totally Lil John. <laughs> he is saying, see, that, that is the precursor to skeet, skeet, skeet. Okay. And then another uh, bit of lyrics that we get is, My feet don't touch the ground because your smile made a rocket of my heart, doll. Oh, That's rad. There's some good lyrics going on. I really like DJ DJ. He's a fun guy. He is. Ungrotty. He is so ungrotty. Who is your favorite Titan? Oh, man. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff. Really, everybody gets a chance to shine in this one. But I gotta say, due to all of the dancing madness... Yeah. And just the the raw power that she harnesses with her, her lasso flying around Mount Rushmore and all the other That's, kids. And she lowers the Sphinx. I think maybe mm-hmm. from space. Yeah. Like, Wonder Girl is very She is badass. crazy strong and badass in this. Mm-hmm. And I agree. She is wonderful in this. I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. It was a really hard choice for me because I don't want to give it to him. I was, like I said, everybody got a chance to shine in this. Mm-hmm. Kid Flash runs down a fucking laser beam. <laughs> I guess that balances out getting lost in the desert. It, it, it kind of. <laughs> running in a circle. <laughs> a very small circle. You get sent what to the do, desert. What do, like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Oh, shit, I'm in the desert. <laughs> ah, run so fast. <laughs> yeah, Aqualad gets to fight a giant crocodile. Mm. He, gets, he gets less of a chance to shine in this. But he also does butt the alien in the head and say, that's a trick I learned from a hammerhead shark. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty badass. In space, where yeah. there is ostensibly a great shortage of life-giving water. He was very brave to go to space. And Wonder Girl, as we said, as you said, and you quite rightly picked her as your favorite Titan. She is a total badass in this, and also has a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and gets to fly around. And and I really did like that her predicament that she was in was she didn't want to be rude to people. Mm-hmm. Which... She needs to be, it's, it needs to be okay for her to turn down men, and I understand that it's important to, for her to be assertive, and she was, eventually. She was great. Robin picks up the Sphinx and hits a guy with it. Now, that is in space, but mm-hmm. just for, overall, I agree that Wonder Girl is the best, but to have just that one moment where something happens, mm-hmm. Robin, using the weightlessness of space, to pick up the Sphinx and hit a guy with it. Mm-hmm. That puts him over the top. So for me, I, I'm loath to do it because he was total dick about making everybody go to space. Mm-hmm. Robin's my favorite Titan. I also think maybe that's why he was so keen to go into space. Because then he's like, yeah, then I could pick up heavy stuff too. I could have super strength in yeah, space. anybody does. Hmm. And that's so great that you with your, your sea-strengthened sea legs. Mm-hmm. I think the whole thing is because he's jealous of Aqualad's sea-strengthened legs. Mm-hmm. 
So there you have it. That was Teen Titans number 12, and it's really good. Next, we're going to get into Teen Titans 13. It's a Christmas special, which oh. is always a lot of fun. And there's something, I think, magical about the fact that it's the Teen Titans when they turn teen in issues. Because hmm. 13th issue. Ah. Uh, which I think will be a lot of fun. Podcast just became available on Stitcher, which I think is great. You guys should, can listen to it there. Uh, might be easier for Android users to do that than iTunes or go into the website. If you'd like to leave us a review there, I know, it's a pain in the ass to write out a review. So, I wrote one for you. It's available on the website. You can cut and paste it there. Or, if you don't have time, I'll just read it to you. You can dictate it. And then you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of figuring out what to say. Which I figure is the reason why most of you probably haven't left one yet. I know, it's difficult. Daunting. So, here we go. Finally, a use for my ears. Teen Titans Wasteland is the greatest podcast I have ever heard. In fact, it's the greatest thing I've ever heard, or ever will hear for that matter. I am going to throw my ears in the trash, because it is all downhill from here. Oh wait, a new episode comes out every week? Guess I better pull those old ears out of the trash and tape them back on. Thanks, Teen Titans Wasteland. There, and you're done. So, just dictate that. Probably have a program that turns words into text on a screen, because we're living in the future. I don't know if you have that program. Probably that's a program. Yeah. Yeah, use that. Thank you so much for being so supportive of us, too. Really means a lot to us. And um, yep. I know it's kind of a pain in the butt to leave us a review, but if you can leave us one on iTunes or on Stitcher, any place you can leave reviews, helps people find us, helps keep us invested in doing more episodes. Not that we're in any dangerous stopping, but uh, yeah, it's been fun. Indeed. Thank you. Enjoy, enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah.